0: Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. environment.
1: Well, okay, I mean, it can be. It's well, just, what, what are you planning on doing? Well, uh, we're going to have some white wine spritzes and we're going to do Eggs Benedict, <laughs> and then we're going to, I'm, a, I'm class of a 75 car, and then we're going to make our way into the suite. The suite. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> I'm retired have- from Georgia Pacific, don't you know? <laughs> How can you have an impact in the suite? <laughs> well, we open the windows, so, you know, politely apart. <laughs> this is Dukes and Bell
0: on Sports Radio 92 9 The Game.
1: Now, for before we get somebody yelling at me, that was before the Tennessee game when we thought, you know, sometimes Georgia fans don't exactly, you know, bring the heat, and obviously they certainly lead well, up. And Georgia fans are bananas, and the crowd had a major impact on her. Hinton Hooker's struggles amongst them. My
2: son Archibald walked on in 1972.
1: Well, actually, my two sons are Sumner and Sumter. They're both at the Pace Academy at Lexus level.
2: Second, <laughs> second annual cruise with Dog Nation coming up. April 24th to 28th, on board Royal Caribbean's Independence of the Seas. Visit dognation.com for more details.
1: I hate when people say first annual. It's inaugural, you idiots. Either way, Robbie is semantics. And by the way, I can't complain about Armstead because I'm in a suite for the national semifinal game. And now,
0: let's talk dogs. Dukes and Bell, on the sidelines with with the dogs. The Dog Report is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, a proud partner of the Georgia Bulldogs.
1: I man, really, really can't make fun of a guy in a suite at Sanford when I'm going to be in a suite at Mercedes Benz on Saturday night. And with that, Connor Riley joins us. Politely applauding. <laughs> Kate Connor Riley on Twitter. All right, buddy. We had Danny Connell on just about a half hour ago. Connor, we were talking about the things I've asked you a million times about the Georgia secondary, Keeley Ringo, Smith and company, and are they going to be able to? to because I, Ohio State. The more we started looking at it, man, a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. in that wide receiver core, a little scary. You know, I mean, maybe some quick hits. Are you? Are you? What's the one area on defense? specifically you're concerned about for the dogs?
3: Yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver Georgia will have played this season, and, uh, you know, Georgia, they're going to ask a lot from their secondary in this game, especially when you consider the fact that, you know, since Nolan Smith has been out with injury, they haven't been able to consistently generate pass rush from off the edges. I I think if you're Georgia – you need Jalen Carter to obviously be the best player in this game. Like you need, you, you need your mom to be able to say, Oh, that number 88, if you're watching the game with her, if you're watching the game with someone who is not a big time football fan, unlike my mom is, she, you know, obviously knows who Jalen Carter is, but uh, if you're watching a non big time <laughs> football fan, they need to be able to say that number 88 is the best player in this game. Because if that's the case, CJ Stroud is going to have stroke, going to struggle to get the ball off downfield and make those big plays, which really in the last two, three years, seeing this Georgia team on a Kirby smart, the only way they get beat is get beat deep, giving up those big explosive plays. And what Ohio State, I think, does have the wide receivers to it. I don't necessarily know if they're fast enough, as we've seen Alabama have that sort of speed edge. Florida a few years ago in 2020 had that. I don't know if the uh, Buckeyes wide receivers have that top end speed, but Marvin Harrison Jr. and Meja Abuka are good enough to win in tight spaces. And so Georgia's going to need Jalen Carter – could just be like a bull in a china shop and wreck that Ohio State offensive line to make things very difficult for C.J. Stroud.
2: It seems like it's a state secret on the, uh, the condition of Ladd McConkey. What have you heard?
3: I, I do expect him to play. We did not see him out of practice, but I think that was just more because Kirby wants to mess with the media and, you know, <laughs> make people think whatever. Uh, I expect him to be out there playing. It's a pain tolerance issue. Uh, he could go through the entire game fine, or you could see something like you did against LSU – where he bangs his knee the wrong way and the injury sort of flares up. It's something that, you know, he can play through, and we'll see how it goes in the off season. But I do expect him to be out there and playing at least some kind of role. How involved, how frequently does Georgia use him, we'll see over the course of the game. But I do expect Georgia to have him available and ready to go at the start.
1: McIntosh, I mean, you and I always joke around about it. You could give any of those running backs 25 totes because everybody's that good, but there's just such a wealth of weapons. Who's going to be the lead uh, running back in this game?
3: So I think in terms of touches, it'll probably be Kenny McIntosh, especially in terms of, you know, what he's able to bring out of the backfield. But I actually think Kendall Milton is one of the more interesting players to watch in this game. Since coming back from a groin injury midseason, those sort of, you know, games against LSU, Georgia Tech, uh, Kentucky there, he showed some real impressive burst and acceleration and, and sort of turned into a bit of a home run hitter for this Georgia team. And so I'll be curious, with the month off, with him, you know, having fresh legs to go in that game, as that game wears on, I would maybe look for him to have a bigger role as we get deeper and deeper into the game. And his ability to hit home runs and hit big plays, I think, could be very valuable for this Georgia offense. I think Kenny is the perfect guy to sort of move the ball in that 5, 10, 15-yard chunks if he's getting passes out of the backfield. But late in the game, when that Ohio defense figures to be quite tired, I think Kendall Milton is the guy that's going to shut the door on him.
2: It's Connor Riley joining us from the Dog Report. Visit dognation.com. Compare and contrast these two uh, coaches, Connor.
3: Yeah, so Kirby Swan, I think, very much preaches toughness and, you know, wants the, team, wants the Georgia team to be the most physical team in the country. They're, you know, sort of the beat-up pickup truck that is just reliable. You know it's going to get you from point A to point B. Whereas I think this Ohio State team, they're sort of like a, a sports car. If I could, you know, use an F1 metaphor, I think they're a lot like Ferrari. They have, you know, all the pieces to be a championship contender, but they're just – sort of seems to be one key ingredient missing, you know, as to why they can't sort of get out of their own way. And in this case, Ohio State matchup with the physicality and toughness element that Michigan brings. And I think Georgia's going to present a lot of the same issues there. And, you know, Georgia's not going to beat itself, to make another F1 analogy, much like Red Bull. They're, just, they're going to do what they do, know how to do it, and they're going to push all the right buttons. And it's going to be on Ohio State to go out there and out-execute. And from what we've seen from Ryan Day, I don't know if he's necessarily the right guy to push all the correct buttons in a game against Georgia and Kirby Smart.
1: It is uh, our dog report. I love the stuff today in Dog Nation. Go on Twitter, guys. Todd Munkin talking about uh, Stetson Bennett fourth. It's a complete credit to him and has nothing to do with me, said Munkin. He said all we did was try to bury him for a couple of years. He <laughs> was here, and all he did was fight and compete. By the way, if anybody won the press conference today, it was, it was Todd Munkin. He also said, look, this is a business. You're going to fire me if we suck, which I thought was great. Yeah. So, And, again, I know I've asked you before, but uh, there will be some more job openings by the before you know it. Uh, I don't like to change. I fear change. And we talked about other you know, teams like Clemson, Dabble, losing assistance. If Todd Munkin was to split, who's the next guy that Would would get plugged in there? Where do you think they would go?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. I know Buster Faulkner was just hired as the OC at Georgia Tech. I would maybe expect him to get a long look. Uh, I know people would, would rather pull their nails out than have Mike Bobo be the offensive coordinator, but I think that's a <laughs> name to know there. But I, I don't think Todd Munkin is going anywhere uh, for the foreseeable future. I thought he'd be a really popular candidate. In terms of coaching openings this cycle, he, he really wasn't. I think maybe other than Purdue, his name did not really reach sort of the finalist consideration for any open job. And when he was clearly one of the best coordinators in the country and a guy who has head coaching experience running Southern Miss, you know, you would think he have a lot of options, but he's also got a really great job at Georgia that he very much seems to enjoy. Only have to talk to the media once a year gets to work with some of the best athletes in the country and really and is obviously well compensated. He's the highest paid coordinator in the country. And so while, and I think you're right, Mike, you know, change is something to worry about. You have to think about who that potential next offensive coordinator is. I don't think Todd Munkin is going anywhere for the foreseeable future. And I think that's a real benefit to Georgia. And I think it's a really perfect marriage of what Munkin wants at this point in his coaching career and what Georgia really needs from that offensive coordinator position, given how Kirby has such a large influence on every other aspect of this program.
2: You know, it seems like Dabo losing his uh, coordinators really kind of gummed up the works, threw a wrench in the whole thing. How is it, and I know Nick Saban is Nick Saban. still won like
1: 10, 11 games. I know that, but still hasn't <laughs> yes, gotten yes. to,
2: I mean, National. that's true. That's what the, you expected But there. the bar has been raised. Why is it Nick Saban is able to survive constant turnover with his coordinators and Dabo seemed to have a little trouble with it?
3: Yeah, I, I, well, I, I think Nick Saban has been doing this longer and is much more accustomed to it. And for For a while there, you know, Kirby was with him for the first nine, Uh, seasons there in Alabama. So while the offensive coordinator changed over a little bit, he did bring good stability there. I also think, you know, and this is where Nick Saban deserves a lot of credit, and I think Kirby does as well. You can look at the change he made from abandoning James Coley after just one season, when I think it would have been reasonable to give him a second year as much as Georgia struggled in 2019. He knew something needed to change and get better and reacted on the front end to that. Whereas I think Dabo waited until his two coordinators got hired, Brent Venables and Tony Elliott, and instead of going out and trying to change and fix what Clemson could do better, because Clemson was not great last year. They went 10-3 and a season ago, and, and that is a far cry from where they were in the college football playoff. I, I think he's sort of like, hey, we've been successful here before. I'm going to bet on what got us, got us here before and has made us successful. And I don't necessarily think that is working out the way that he had envisioned it to. Obviously, you know, they go 11-2 this season, still technically win the ACC. But the on-field product from Clemson, I think, has slipped pretty clearly from where it's been in years past and, Look, they're not recruiting at the same level they have been in recent years right now. And as some of those really talented players start to cycle out of their program, you know, they used to be recruiting in the top five, top six sort of stratosphere. Now when you're in the team, that's a lot bigger of a talent gap to make up. And when You don't necessarily have the coaching edge you used to. I think there's rightful reason to worry about what the future of Clemson football looks like.
1: No, I get what Rob's saying. I just think, you know, their big mistake this year is they hung on. Dabo was too stubborn with DJU. Right. He's going up. He's going to be a beaver, by the way. He's going to Oregon State. And Clubnick's yeah. going to start against Tennessee in the Orange Bowl.
3: Right, and so I think that'll be interesting. But I also think, you know, sticking on to DJU in only too long, I think that's another good example of, you know, Dabber, Dabo's stubbornness. And, you know, every coach is right. stubborn. They want to prove a point in what they're making. But I, I think very clearly if they swap – and, again, you know, who knows how Clubnick would have done – against south carolina but you know if they win that south carolina game guess what instead of playing tennessee in an orange bowl no one's really going to pay all that much attention to you're getting ready to play georgia and atlanta on new year's eve for a college football playoff game and the margins at the top are so thin and if you're going to be that stubborn and that hard headed it's going to cost you and i think it absolutely costs clumston this season all
2: right Connor, i'm gonna bet my retirement is about five dollars <laughs> who's going to win both of these games and uh, give us a score give us a score
3: uh, I think Georgia is going to beat Ohio State. I will say 34-21. I think it's a double digit win for mm-hmm. Georgia. Uh pardon me want to say something more like 38-20 but I'll be conservative and mm-hmm. say 34-21. Michigan TCU I will go 20 I'll go 24 20 Michigan. I think that TCU is going to be able to keep it close. Uh, but I do think Michigan is going to have enough talent to maybe win out in the end but I expect that game to be the closer of the two semifinals. where where I think Georgia is going to be able to impose its will in Ohio state when they meet on Saturday.
1: I know Georgia fans. It's, it's a, it's an amazing, wonderful place to be right now on the top of the college football mountain. And I think sometimes when we break it down, Connor with Carl and Rob this week, it's like, yeah, you just, it's, there's a level in there. You say, are we really prepared to say that? Yes, much like Alabama has been the last decade, you're just better than everyone else. And Ohio State's got tremendous athletes, but I mean, and I, I just I've said it like three times uh, this afternoon. I just watched that Michigan game. and Go, how is that team going to compete with Georgia, unless they've heard right, a wonder, you know. how bad they are, and that's going to be the motivating factor that's going to bring these guys. I mean, at the end of the day, Georgia's got better Jim's and Joes.
3: Right, and to that point, Mike, Ohio State heard for the whole last year about that Michigan game in in 2021, and and they had bought into, you know, that's a motivating factor for us. We're going to be a tougher, more physical team this year. And then they come out and lay an egg against Michigan, and now a month later, you've got to turn it around and become even more physical and more tougher to take on a Georgia team that I think is a better version of Michigan across the board. I just have a hard time believing that. And I think, you know, touching back on it, Again, if Jalen Carter is clearly the best player in this game, which I think he will be, I think that's going to really make things difficult for Ohio State because they're banged up at running back right now. And if they're not going to be able to run the ball and keep this Georgia defense honest, I just struggle to see how Ohio State is going to be able to hang in there for four quarters given what we have seen from them and what we know about this Georgia team this season.
2: Well, Connor, thank you for your enthusiastic, well-researched, well-thought-out, lucid-thinking analysis, sir. Thank you.
3: Awesome!
1: Thanks for having me on, guys. <laughs> All right, man. Again, go dogs! We're live here at State Farm Arena. Get ready for the uh, you know the Nets, who are like the hottest team in the NBA, and we're coming off a bad loss to the Pacers, which has got Rob feeling a bit melancholy.
2: I was at downright hostile earlier, actually. <laughs> now it's gone to uh, what's the word of the uh, stages of grief? Now it's just acceptance, I guess, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, You get your arms crossed. I guess that's acceptance.
2: Uh, I, I fully expect a corrective emotional experience watching my Hawks tonight, but it's not going to mean anything going forward. Just in the moment, I expect the Hawks to win tonight. We'll get into that next. It's Dukes and Bell, Rob Tribble filling in Sports Radio 92.9 the game.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
4: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Bogey! Bogey, 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 does it again? Back to State Farm Arena or from Dukes
2: and Bell with special guest Rob Tribble.
0: On Sports Radio 929 The Game.
2: Well, 129, 114, the final last night in Indianapolis. As the Hawks hope for a corrective emotional experience tonight as they drop to <laughs> 17 and 17. Pacers include, improved to 18 and 17. Hawks trail by 10 at the half. It seems like they were able to cut the deficit to like six, and then there'd be a four point swing, and then right. Pacers go on to run the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, that, uh, that Halliburton
1: cat was like, poo, 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 like a howitzer. He couldn't miss a three last night. <laughs> compare
2: halberto to a weapon i love that <laughs> Thank you I, I follow it
1: but yeah man it's just last night was uh I, t- I sent it to rob to start the show you know we do sports talk it's a fun job it's a really great job but you know sometimes it feels like work like watching that game last night <laughs> it felt was, like a job it. because it was ugly you know and uh, and i'd listen i, I know that our, our friends uh, at valley sports do a great job and uh, and you heard what was being said in the huddle and they were talking about no well, coach coach nate wants more intensity on defense yeah like that's the story of the last two years it's a shame you know, they have
2: to be told that. Right. I mean, where's the urgency? Like I said, if you're talented enough to play in the NBA, you're talented enough to play defense.
1: Right. You are. Well, last night was an interesting night because, you know, Taylor tale of two you know, draft picks where we – I've always – I'll give you the disclaimer on this one, Rob, then you can jump in. I've always said that Luca versus Trey does not have to be that ESPN debate show zero-sum game of right, right. Dallas wins, Atlanta loses. No, yeah, I think no. they can both have success. Now – If you're keeping score, both have gotten to the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference Finals. Yep. Both have gotten a coach and a general manager fired. <laughs> <laughs> the Luca, tale of the tape. Luca has gotten Porzingis traded. We and trade may get John Collins traded, but then let time. It's only time will tell. And then of course, there's one guy has a triple double with a 60 point uh, floater,
2: 20 rebounds. That's yeah. Luca last and night. And that first was time un- in NBA history. And
1: and the uh, you know the the play that never works when you're down and you know throwing the ball off the backboard and getting the, and getting it two. That was unbelievable last night. And he well he went and fought for it. That's called right.
2: will. That's called. And one, the, and is,
1: the Mavericks react. The crowd reaction, his teammates' reaction, Jason, kids' reaction—they're like it was like a college game. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I'm just worried. All the goodwill, and, and this place used to be electric.
2: It's been electric. It, I'm, it can still be, yeah, but it seems it like been. it's going to start trending.
1: I know it's been. I've been to games the, this year. The yeah. Bucks game. There's been some games with a lot of juice. I mean, the Celtics game started out with a lot of juice, yeah, and the well, Celtics good, kicked our ass. Yes, the the building. No, but there's like it's electric when Trey's bombing threes, and he and Dejounte. The thing is, we've only the only. The first two games of the season, and then a few a little here and there, what they did to Detroit last week. Right. But I'm getting nothing from that mojo of DeJounte and Trey that we thought was going to basically reinvent the wheel.
2: And I wonder why that's missing. Right. Certainly enough, you've played enough games now to where you should have been able to cultivate mm. something. I mean, I, And we, right. we know there's there's apparently some dysfunction off the floor. We, we know about that. We've talked about that. It's like the uh, elephant in the room. Clearly right. we know that. But, you know. Let's play ball tonight, let's try to string something together.
1: Yeah, and you know, the DeJounte Murray thing, I love his attitude. We played that we played those sound bites, you know, ad nauseum about uh, you know, you're basically being accountable when even when they win the game, yeah, we got some things we've got to clean up. Yep. And Trey's attitude is is generally more loose and positive or vague, you know, after a loss, <laughs> you know, hey, I got my, Hey, I don't know about y'all. I got a double, double. Like, so, yeah. like a
2: husband's explanation to his wife. Well, lose positive, vague. Yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> and,
1: and that's what we get into. And we, we joke around because, you know, there's guys in this town. If you criticize the super, and the thing is, it's not uh, like no stretch. And I said this yesterday, I'll repeat it. Cause we're here at state farm. It's not all about Trey. Nate's half court offense sometimes makes no sense, like last night. It's like when I said, What are no, they?
2: Are they a pick and roll team? Right? Are they a three team? Are they a ISO Trey? What are they? I don't know what they are. Now,
1: last night, things got off the rails because Okongwu got into some foul trouble. Yeah, the only guy yeah. that was really, actually, going to be honest, the guy who passed the eye test last night was John Collins. That was it. 26 points, uh, what, 10 boards before he fouled out. Right. Trey took better. Know, Trey's three point percentage is up, but he's taking a hell of a lot of less three point shots. You know, it's, it's crept up now. He's getting to where he's getting closer and closer to his, his season than career average. Can you just ask? a credit to him, though, because he was accused
2: of taking bad shots. Maybe impulsively rushed bad shot. Well, the thing
1: that used to drive me—I mean, earlier this year—drove me crazy when they had leads and they were letting leads go. Is yep. instead of like burning the twenty-four second clock down, Trey get over half a boom and just launch one from like this <laughs> from his hip and you know, and like whoa, 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 guys, you know, wait, we, wait, you, you know, know, we're up by seven now. Then of course they cut, the other team puts back down three, and now you've cut it down. And well, why now can't we're you struggling. be all
2: things? Why can't you be a pick and roll team <laughs> yes. in the half
1: court and run that? We're in that. No, but this clock. this is why I'll say it again. Carl, when we talked about this, and we had Steve Koonan on two weeks ago, and he said, look, there's a progression to this. And in a nutshell, what steve I'm not, I'll read between the lines. You're going to have a long leash for Nate yep. because the team is going to say, let's get everybody healthy because they're dealing with injuries right now. Don't have your, your starting five that was projected aren't there. You missed uh, Jante Murray for, like, what, two and a half weeks. So you got all that. So give Nate a chance. The thing is, even when everyone gets healthy, Rob, I don't think these guys respond to Nate anymore.
2: And I don't think they do.
1: Regardless of whether you think Nate is right or wrong, they're not going to fire 12 guys and Trey, If you traded Trey, that'd be a disaster, because then you really have lost the Luka trade. Yeah,
2: I mean, and, and who you get I don't want to see that happen. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. see that happen.
1: And the only guys I'd want back for Trey already got deals done in this offseason, right. okay? Right. Whether you wanted Donovan Mitchell or take any of the guys that
2: you wouldn't but Then we're going to go back in. to that, that right. faceless franchise I had to endure those 60 lost seasons during
1: right. the 90s. I don't want to do that again. So it's not fair that Nate gets fired. Nate is an OG coach. But yeah. at times, it looks like a 1990s team out there, yeah. as far as the stylistic you know, side of it.
2: And I wonder if the long leash, are they lured into a sense of uh, maybe comfort because they fired Lloyd Pierce so late in the season, mm. and then Nate comes in, and they go on an amazing run and get to the Eastern right. Conference Finals, should have gotten to the Finals.
1: I'm with you. Now, Now again, Lloyd Pierce was in over his head. Nate came in, and I, Rob made a great point, which I don't think we've made on this show, that, you know, you had some of those assistants that maybe had some some good ideas. Nate brought in his old cronies, and now we're into this half court yeah, that makes He got rid sets. of uh,
2: Lloyd's uh, correct. assistants that helped him get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And, and I understand that sometimes you want your own guys. I understand correct. that, but it certainly has gone backwards since he did that. And that's
1: a great point. That's why you listen to Rob Triple. Whenever you hear a triple on the air, make sure you're a part of it. <laughs> you'll be doing the Falcon Fly over after the game on Sunday, too. I will. Yeah. So after the post game wraps, what time does that usually start? About an hour and a half about after?
2: About 5.30, yeah, 5.30, right 7.30.
1: So we were talking about this earlier. Carl brought up the name about two months ago, if you were going to move on, if they do, Kenny Atkinson, who is a disciple of Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. So you know there's an identity there. And look, Trey is a diva. Everybody in the NBA is a diva. Newsflash. Some mm-hmm. less, some more. But in this case, the coach doesn't get uh, doesn't get to stay. The star stays. The coach goes. So if you're looking for somebody, and somebody feels D'Antoni's maybe past his primary, he's too old. Why don't you go get a guy like Kenny? And that's Carl's idea, which I think is a good one. That's but a good idea. Got, but let's not, wait, let's not wait. Let's not wait till after the All Star break. We're almost coming up on
2: halfway through the season. And we're not trying to run anybody out of town. But you know, I'm sorry. It's a results business, and this isn't working right now. Right. This is like just a. In some sort of torturous
1: purgatory, yes. trending and, downward. And you guys, look, just like with Marcus Mariota, most of us knew where it was going to go. We said it back in July. Here's where this is going to go. At some point, Ritter will take over. We just don't know when. Mm-hmm. This year, as we said yesterday, all of a sudden we got on a heater. The division came to us because it was a bad division. We're at yeah. 500, and, and then everyone expected more. But then the reality is we don't have the talent, and Arthur Smith's making lemonade out of lemons. Here, We've got a team that should be the second or third best team in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion. Healthier, yep. and even even last night missing some stars. You've got enough pieces to make it work. Well, you get a win last night. You're the sixth seed. Correct. So what are we going to do? We're going to monkey around until we got to beg and borrow and steal to get in the playing game. How'd that work out for us last you know,
2: year? That worked out great, didn't it? You don't want any part of that, right?
1: So that's and so just for the third time, I'll say it. No, it's not fair if Nate would get fired, but coaches in the NBA get fired more with more frequency than any other professional sports league in America.
2: And, and I'm sure Nate has plenty of money for retirement. He yeah, probably I mean, has numerous see, residents. This, this be is you
1: brought this up, and we were talking about this off the air. There's an impression in this town, like Marcus Mariota was working for food stamps <laughs> when he was here, You know, and like... You know, Marcus, you know, apparently, like, Marcus had to take a mega bus to Los Angeles. He's packing his own lunches. And then, they, lunches, you know, and then the Marcus games. was given a rowboat, and apparently yeah. had to row all the way to Hawaii. That's what some of you guys, you yeah. had to see his kid. You guys turned this into a damn diet. Dy- I mean, like, one of these Lifetime movies or something. <laughs> it's professional sports, professional paychecks. Generational wealth. So, Nate has done pretty well by the Hawks, and the Hawks have done pretty well by Nate. Yeah. But now there's a situation, which happens every other team in the NBA. The star and him don't laugh at the same jokes. We need a new approach.
2: And I just don't want to get to the point where you're a franchise that's changing coaches every three, four, five years. No, no stability, continuity whatsoever. You have to reinvent everything, reshuffle the deck with the roster, and you just you never get anywhere. Right. And you, you're in this torturous area of sub Mike Woodson. Oh God. oh, God.
1: I mean, that's. Iso Joe. Boof, 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 boof. Or well, then Josh, and well, then the crowd on the flip side. No, Josh, Josh no. Smith drifting no. out two and three. Get the shot, Colorado. Zzz, don't take that shot. Is so that's right? what
2: you heard with ISO Joe in empty arena. You just heard him dribbling like 19 times till the shot clock drive. Like um, then he'll drive and Joe throws, Johnson. Throw up a pair. at the
1: top of the key. He turned into his dribble. <laughs> So, yeah, it's just it's it's frustrating. That's what Rob and I were kind of joking about today. I just want to see some change, and not just for change's sake. I think we really need a new direction here. I think you can't have two more. This is another season where we did nothing to build off of the success. Yeah. In that championship, Rob, and you're still trend- You're trending
2: downward. Two, year, three year, what, right. two years now after the Eastern Conference final appearance, right. you're still trending downward.
1: And by the way, all these rumors about John John Collins is a perpetual trade rumor. Yeah. I mean, uh, John was very diplomatic when we asked him about him and Trey, basically saying, look, we respect each other, but we're not exactly going to be buddy-buddy. That's yeah. fine. Wrong, but at some point, someone's going to make a trade. for him, I want to know what I'm getting back. Because mm-hmm. if John gives – see, that's what makes John frustrating. You see him last night, you're like, wow, that's a guy that – that's why you gave him that contract. And why yeah. doesn't they do – build more things around that?
2: which doesn't happen on a consistent basis. And plus, when you're always rumored to be traded, that's got to affect your psyche and approach right. and attitude and everything else. All right, we're going to welcome in Fal- Falcons head coach Arthur Smith coming up next. Five o'clock. That's uh, five o'clock. What time is it now? Well, it's,
1: it's 520. It's 420. Oh, I got 434. I get behind me? Well, I'm yeah, fine. we got one more segment we're going to do this hour. Then we'll get to coach of five. Well, what do you want to do next There, We're going to do, uh, do, do some guy talk. talk, talk? Because there's some <laughs> terrible rumors out there about Hooters. Oh dear, we don't want we we one. We Could Hooters be rebranding because millennials don't like boobs? It's oh, coming up. Of
2: next. course they don't.
0: <laughs> T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours
2: That
0: was one
1: of those no, no, yes.
3: Back to Mike and Rob with
0: the pregame hype live from State Farm Arena
3: on Sports Radio
0: 92.9. The game. It's time for fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for guy talk. Never <laughs> mind. <laughs> it's time for <laughs>
1: shenanigans.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, buddy. Hope Day edition is Rob Tribble in for Carl Dukes. Carl's on vacay this week, and probably listen to the shenanigans that's going on right now. I'm like, well, no, he's probably not, because Squid Billy always does. Squid Billy never takes vacation. Carl, like, I when I'm on vacation, I'm off the grid. I didn't even get my picks in last
2: week. I don't even listen to the station when I'm not
1: on vacation. <laughs> That's a great rigging endorsement, Rob. Appreciate your patronage. But uh, we're live here at State Farm. We're going to be talking more about the Hawks. Bang! I think Steve Holman's going to join us after 6. And then uh, pregame, of course, at 7. Big environment, big atmosphere with the uh, really the hottest team in the country right now coming into town with the Nets. Kevin Durant, obviously, seeing a superstar. Simmons getting his head out of his tuchus and actually contributing. A, and they're doing They're doing pretty good. Kyrie as well.
2: They have a master psychologist as a coach. I mean, Steve Kerr's bragged on Jacques Vaughn. I mean, everybody. Mike Budenholzer has. They've all been bragging on Oh, I really love the kid.
1: He's a great kid. He's a great guy. I could have been the man. I could have run everything in Atlanta. It was great. You're
2: clearing your throat for Mike Budenholzer when you're, when you're talking like,
1: mm, <laughs> make mine a double. Anyway, so uh, we've got to lots to get into, so let's dive in. It's brought to you by our buddies at uh, Hey Man Ale, brought to you by Coney Brewing. They make our beer. It's available everywhere. Guys, go to Publix. If they don't have it at your neighborhood Publix, just ask them. Like I did at the Publix in Tyrone. And now we got it. And there are package stores as well. All right. Um, this story broke today on Twitter, and the Twitterverse was going bananas. There was a story that was posted by a website which does post regular stories, but also posts poses goofy stories, parody news accounts right. called the Daily Loud. Yeah. But because we live in a world, thanks to Steve Jobs, where people are supposed to be smarter, but they've actually gotten dumber, this thing got traction. The story reads: Hooters is shutting down and rebranding after new study shows that millennials aren't that into boobs. <laughs>
2: And, of course, you have a feminist applauding. Well, thank right. God yes, for and that. And, of course,
1: immediately, yes, those people that would get upset about those sorts of things, which, again, they wake up every day looking for something looking to Looking for about. something, exactly. But, yeah, uh, the confluence of millennials are, and this is hysterical, and boobs is a perfect mixture to go viral on the app. I'm reading this article. This is from, I want to give them credit, which I'm not Uh, because I can't find the name of it. But anyway, (laughs) I'll find the name of where I'm reading. But they said, no, it's a hoax. Everybody's losing their minds. We love Hooters, and Hooters (laughs) loves us. But it was uh, pretty darn funny. I'm I'm trying to read the damn website. Knowyourmeme.com is doing this article, which I'm trying to read without my glasses. I'm like, Mr. Magoo, which is another reference millennials wouldn't get.
2: They would not get it. How many times I love when they – I love I love a master troll that uh, g- brings right. up some story that's just going to drive a certain sector of the population absolutely crazy and ends up being a hoax. I live for things like that. Right. So,
1: again, guys, Hooters is not going anywhere. And we love our, our good friend Bruce Scala and our partnership with Hooters. And I uh, love working and doing events there because I've been doing that since my dad took me to my first Hooters in 1983. I guess was wow. In Clearwater, number one, store number one. When did a
2: Hooters start? Yeah. That started in Florida. Yeah, it
1: was Clearwater, Florida, right off the beach. Right there. Was it 83? 83. Wow. I was 14. And that's what fathers should do for their kid's 14th birthday. You take them to Hooters.
2: Absolutely. Thank you.
1: Hey, man, <laughs> some other stories for you. Today, by the way, I meant to mention this at the start of the show. I mean, I'm not sure how many of these folks I saw downtown are Ohio State fans, but holy cow, a lot of folks got this week off. A lot of, a lot of folks obviously with a holiday week. Yep. I saw, I mean, literally thousands of folks in Centennial Olympic Park over by the aquarium, folks by the College Football Hall of Fame, a ton of folks. This is the business this time of year, man.
2: I think there's going to be a lot more Ohio State fans in that building than you think, and a lot of them live here, I, I told you. There's a lot of – I know a lot of Ohio State people. They're flying their Ohio State flags outside right. their houses all over, like East Atlanta, uh, Kirkwood, Decatur, etc.
1: I know that uh, you got so many folks who obviously moved to Atlanta. Like, you can't help guys where you were born, okay, the team you grew up rooting for. But once you get down here, I, I feel like getting on board. In this case, tons of you are right. Buckeye – I got three or four good Buckeye fans, and they're okay people. I mean, they know <laughs> they, they know their team's not going to win another championship. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> I know the
2: Michigan people, too. I know a few of them. They're my friends. They love it when I call it Michigan. That yeah. drives them nuts. Do
1: you remember that? they did, i got to be honest with you. One of the less compelling uh, sports documentaries that HBO did was the one on the rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan.
2: I, saw, I thought it was just fine. Yeah,
1: It was, but I, I it was mean, nostalgic.
2: You know, I guess it doesn't have the sizzle that they do now, perhaps. Yeah, it but, didn't, you know. really,
1: didn't really learn anything. Ohio State, That Michigan fans look down their nose at Ohio State yeah we knew Ohio that. State yeah. thinks Michigan yeah. fans are snobs.
2: And I knew it was basically, a, the, the rival is based on a, a battle, what, for Toledo, is a right. land battle, basically, because they right. have a port.
1: That's right. Yeah. A little sliver of Ohio and Michigan. A little sliver, right? yep.
2: And you go to Toledo, that town is divided 50-50, Ohio State-Michigan. Right.
1: It's funny. We were talking. Uh, we got a, a new engineer who's been working with us for the new year, and that's, we call him Jersey Mike, who's from South Jersey. And we were joking around during the commercial break, and, and when you live in New Jersey, there's like a, a, the line of demarcation is where Six Flags is. It's in central New Jersey. Right. And it's like where Giants fans and Jets fans stop and Eagles fans begin. Yeah, right. You know, it's right, kind of like right. that line. In in Wisconsin, if you've ever been in Chicago and you've driven up to Milwaukee, if you're going to like, yeah, it's Bears, Bears, and then you get to the... Fox River, and then it's all Packers. It's almost like it's really it's like the Mason picture yep. live for the fan base. That's the way it seems to work. So we've all been breaking it down. Seven ways to Sunday. We had Connor Riley on earlier today, and if you missed Danny Cannell we'll play some of that for you later too, or later in the week. But everybody kind of keeps focusing on, boy, Ohio State got smoked and looked terrible in that game. The game. again, it's called the game. Yeah. So everything I've read today, every single Ohio State player, coach, administrator has literally had it up to here. With, you really look like crap against yeah. Michigan. How are you going to beat Georgia? Does that have what, what one of two psychological effects? Which effect does it have on these guys?
2: It'll be interesting to see. You remember last year, Georgia losing to Alabama in the SEC championship game. They get to play, play them again, and we see what the result was. Right. And now the uh, Ohio State players are kind of martyring themselves in a way, saying you know it's us against the world, Ohio against the world. This end, they like, oh, come on,
1: right? I just, I just feel like it. No issue you against your own fan base, I yeah. think is what it appears. Look, to but I just think they set it up for that when, when you, you know the build up of that game. Remember, it's like. You're Ryan Day. they treats it like, you know, Woody Hayes, you know, where it's it's Michigan. You know, it's, it's yeah. you make this statement about how you got humiliated in the big house last year and now you got all year to – and that's what you focus on. And then you, you look like that. So that's why I think it resonates with so many people. Yet Vegas still got it close. Vegas has still got it. At six six and, and a half, right? Still
2: stuck yeah. there, yeah. You know? I'm still thinking TCU upsets Michigan. I really do. I'm, I'm probably the only sports talk person saying that. Right. And I have no rhyme or reason for it. I just have this instinct. Right. I don't know why. I mean,
1: Max Dugan's a hell of a story in and of itself. Yeah. Having surgery and everything's had to Well, he wasn't with. even a starter at the beginning right. of
2: the year. Their, their starter got hurt. And it's a he little came bit of, in and there's a little took bit of Stetson, it ran with it. It. A little bit of Stetson That's Bennett. That's what I was saying yesterday. It's kind of a diet Stetson Bennett story, right? <laughs> That's right. Stetson Bennett on ice.
1: Hey, man, uh, one last story for you. Speaking of a guy on ice, Derek Carr. Boy, oh, boy. He's been oh. benched for the final two games for the yeah. Raiders. Jarrett Stidham, who out of Oklahoma State, went to, Alabama, went to Auburn.
2: Went, went to Auburn, yeah. Right? And
1: then to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Right? Have I got it right?
2: I think so, yeah. And kind was, of a journeyman in college and in the pros. Right.
1: So, I mean, Derek Carr, now people are saying that Devontae Adams is going to demand a trade himself. Wow. Because the whole idea was they were Bringing him in with Derek Carr right. and bam,
2: it's going to be magic and the Raiders will recapture their glory. Nope, didn't happen, wow. did it?
1: So, I mean, and it's funny, and I know we've got a minute here, we're going to get to break. Arthur Smith, guys, is coming up at the top of the hour. We'll talk about all the things that just happened. He gets to rehash it with us after three days of living hell in that game up in Baltimore. Yeah. But it's just unbelievable how the uh, that thing has gone absolutely nowhere. And everyone thought that was going to be the most competitive division in the uh, NFL, Russell Wilson in Denver, Car now with Devontae Adams. It did not work out that way. That's that's the NFL, though, man. That's why
2: quick turnarounds are possible. That's why you should be optimistic about the Falcons like I am.
1: Hey, man, there's some guy talk for you. Brought to you by our Dukes and Bell Heyman Ale. Coming up next, we get to talk to the coach. Now, again, he will not, and we're not going to try to get him to talk about the refs because they'll. Take money away from him, but we can talk about it. We can talk him. about it, yeah. And talk about some of the strategy and is he seeing the things that really get Desmond Ritter this job going into next season? It's all coming up next. Dukes and Bell with Rob Tribble live at State Farm. Get ready for the Hawks and the Nets.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,